what's up, everyone? It's Aaron Hine from FitAid. Hey, if you want to leverage your message and gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with Scott Ramage. You know, Ramage with an R, like damage. <laughs> You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody, it's Scott, your host for Stories That Sell, and boy, do we have a show for you. In this episode, I sit down and talk with Aaron Hind, and Aaron is the co-owner of LifeAid. So basically, all I'm going to say right now is what you should do before you listen to this episode. Well, just go ahead and listen to it, but the next time you listen to it, go to your store, pretty much any store, grab a Focus Aid, and I'm not kidding here. Grab a focus aid, get a pen and paper, and take notes because this dude has built an incredible company and gone through a lot and is dropping knowledge bombs like they're candy. Guys, this is good. Enjoy the show. Hey, but before we get started, you know the spiel. I got to talk to you about VAs for gyms because this is an epic service. Imagine yourself having a team of people helping you out from everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media, and so much more. Can you imagine how many different staff members that would take for you? But it's what you need. As a business owner, you need all that stuff done to move the needle in your business. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. And folks, we're not talking about just getting one virtual assistant. We're talking about tapping into a team of over 20 virtual assistants with all different skills. You are getting a massive team under one roof without the headache of having to hire, fire, manage, pay, or any of that garbage. Employees, you just pay the one for the one service, VAs for Gyms. Check us out at www.vasforgyms.com and book your appointment to find out more. Now on to this amazing podcast. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the show, man. Scott, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, we had to uh, reschedule a couple times, unfortunately, due to my calendar, which is really bad. <laughs> but um, happens. I'm super thankful. Angelo Cisco connected us, and I'm a super fan of Angelo. 
And so I really appreciate you hopping on. Um, but really, man, what we love to do on this podcast is just hear your story. And you have such an amazing brand. I, I want to be honest. I've never tried the Focus 8. I told you this a little earlier, but I've been really interested in it. So I ran to the store today because I love your other products and I grabbed one. So I'm going to drink. I'm going to crack that bad boy open while we're talking. Um, I hope it's ice cold. It's got to be ice cold. Uh, it's cold-ish. <laughs> oh, man. So it's not going to do it. I have to wait till after the podcast. Okay. We need it ice cold. Okay. I'll get it ice great, cold. Great product. Especially yeah. after lunch. If you feel like taking a nap and you need to get back in the zone, I'm telling you, just like a mild natural caffeine hit with the nootropics. It it's, works wonders. I've been in meetings nonstop for the last like four days. We had a board meeting and then two days of strategic planning after that. And literally like, I'm just not an all day meeting guy. I got to get up and move. And about halfway through, I'm just dozing off and, you know, I crack a focus aid and 20 minutes later, a hundred percent time, just boom, right back in the zone. So I love that product. It's one of our most effective efficacious products. And well, then I'm a, a great guy, the original alpha hippie uh, for those out there that haven't checked them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, then I'm super excited that afternoon, you know, kind of like head bobbing and you really need to get some work done. Or like you said, you're in meetings and that's the last thing you want to have happen. So that's awesome. So, man, we just want to hear your story because you have a multi multi-million dollar company. And I, you know, I'd be lying if, if I didn't say that that's pretty much what everybody, probably most people at listen are really searching for is like, how do I build my brand? How do I do my thing? And I'm yeah. sure there's so many lessons from what you've gone through. So I'd just love for you to, to uh, back up in time and tell us whatever you want to tell us. Well, um, I'll, I'll preface it with a couple of things. One, whoever's listening, you're exactly where you need to be right love now it. in life. You know, you got to have complete faith in that. And it's not, and I didn't say where you want to be. I said where you need to be. And I've learned that, you know, the hard way against my own will multiple times in life. I've been completely broke on two different occasions where I've lost everything. 10 years ago, a decade ago, I was literally bankrupt. Uh, so I've, you know, I've gone through everything. I've lived in a 400 square foot, you know, RV off the grid with, with two kids and a wife for five years, living out of ice chest, boiling water on the stove. Um, eating macaroni and cheese and tuna for dinner to, uh, you know, hanging out with billionaires. So I have literally run the whole gamut and we always uh, grossly overestimate what we can achieve in the very short term and underestimate <laughs> what we can achieve in the long term. So start thinking in, you know, 10 year chunks uh, and, it, it, and, and have, and back into a plan. I mean, you know, my plan was always to create a massive brand and it didn't just start that way overnight. I mean, people all the say, oh my God, fitted, you guys have blown up. You know, it's like, well, we've been grinding for a decade now and uh, we've had a lot of low lows and high highs in, on that journey. And the journey continues, you know, we got to remember to, uh, to enjoy the ride. But, uh, you know, my entrepreneurial journey started really early on in life. I was always a, a hustler and in high school and, and in college and in college, I had a little supplement business out of my dorm room. Uh, <laughs> I'd buy supplements wholesale um, through, uh, through some uh, direct relationships I had and then and resell them to my, to my buddies and make a few bucks and then get my supplements for free. And uh, you know, when I've, I've had multiple businesses along the way, most of them didn't make any money at all. Some of them made a little bit of money, but they were all necessary along the way. They were all put in my path uh, for me and for a specific reason. So I could learn a lesson, whether that was about inventory management or production to you know, accurate thinking, uh, uh, to marketing, 
Um, but each of those, you know, successes or failures was there for a reason. And, and it's really not a failure as long as you're learning something and you keep the ship moving forward. So uh, it's, it's been quite a ride. I'll tell you anything you want to know about it. Yeah. I, I, I love the um, kind of the roots of, of your story where you've been staunch, staunch advocate of, of supplements for a long time. Like when did that become a real interest to you? And, and you knew that that was something that you had to, had to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, from the earliest stage, I grew up in a very unique environment. You know, my dad uh, was a chiropractor uh, for most of his adult life. And, and so I grew up in a very natural, uh, he, the reason he became a chiropractor is um, my mom had a small daycare when I was a kid and uh, the kids were, you know, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, 10 years old that was, she was watching. And I was just a little baby and they were swinging me, you know, back when you created like a little hammock out of a blanket and a couple of them held and one of them dropped it. And I went flying as a little you know, infant cracked my head on the ground. And apparently, you know, I was a chubby little baby and I got lethargic. I wouldn't uh, nurse and I just lost all my color. They take me into the ER. They can't, they, well, doesn't have a concussion. We don't know. No, we can't figure out what's wrong with them. A couple of days goes by and they get really concerned and they uh, go to one of our neighbors and said, Hey, have you ever had them checked out by our chiropractor? And so anyway, long story short, my dad takes me in uh, they check my atlas that's at the top of my neck and I, I was apparently super locked up as a little baby and the guy gives me this little adjustment and like instantly my color comes wow. back and you know I, I return basically back to normal after one treatment so my dad's like you know mesmerized by this at the time at the time he's working construction and everything so he goes back to undergrad gets his science prereqs and, and goes to chiropractic college so I grew up in uh, that household where we never even, I didn't even know people took Advil for a headache till I got to college <laughs> swear to god like oh wow we grew up totally natural you know never been vaccinated never uh taken you know any medications nothing like you know you got an earache you you minced up some garlic put some olive oil heated it up put it inside the ear packed with cotton and that was the cure and it worked like like you know we just really didn't get sick we we ate clean food as clean as we could at, at knew how at the time and like that's just the way I, I grew up so I grew up in a pretty unique environment so yeah the the kind of whole natural angle for things was always part of uh RMO for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. You didn't like rebel and like, you know, go, <laughs> go, go the opposite way. But I, you were telling a story of um, like, you started some eye drops to get rid of red eye from, from smoking weed and you've done all sorts of things. So were you, did you, were you an entrepreneur from very early on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was always uh, a hustler and uh, you know, always loved being in the game, you know, and I don't mean a hustler, I mean, ripping people off in a negative way. I mean, a hustler just like hustling, you know, getting yeah. out there and getting the work done. Like I loved earning my own cash. I loved having a, you know, a stack of money in my pocket as a young age that I made and I was in control of. And so, you know, I've been working since the earliest of age and, you know, bought myself a nice car and, and was kind of always, you know, uh, as my friends were out, you know, having a good time, not that I didn't have a good time too, but I like to, to earn an income and yeah. did that, you know, throughout, um, my life, you know, so I've always been pretty, uh, self, uh, sufficient for, as far as that's concerned. Before I know that there's quite a story with Fide because with, with every brand like that, there is a, it's, it's like you said, it's not an overnight success. It's a lot of, um, 
grind and doing things that don't work and readjusting before, before fit aid, did you have any other brands kind of take off or that were, you know, even a little bit of success? Yeah, I had a, he mentioned the eyedrop company. I had an eyedrop company for stoners called Irie Eyes Eyedrops. <laughs> that was a fun little project and it did teach me a lot. Uh, we, we did great as far as getting that into distribution. What I did learn is uh, the inaccurate thinking that I had that stoners gave a shit that they had red eyes because they really don't. <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't sell a whole lot. We actually sold the most amount of product through uh, novelty shops, which I guess makes sense, right? Like yeah. gag shops. Um, you know, I had a, a sports chiropractic business for 10 years that, that did very well. Um, and then I've had, you know, multiple smaller businesses that, that didn't amount to too much, but, uh, again, they were all there for a reason and, and I'm grateful for all of them. Yeah. It's, it's that you hear it all the time. And I don't think a lot of people believe it or newer entrepreneurs you know, that you have to almost, you almost have to fail. And I like what you said earlier is, is it's not necessarily failure. It's just more of part of the process to get to success. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, it was a business I had with a friend of mine in college. We called it Pacific Plastec and it was a, um, injected molded plastic product that was basically plastic fencing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And at the time, everything, all fencing was basically made of redwood and you just had this new kind of artificial stuff on the market that was this composite that was supposed to last a little bit longer. It was a little bit expensive though. Um, but there was no plastic fencing. It didn't exist. So we were had an exclusive contract for the state of California with the manufacturer out in Pennsylvania. Well, I go out and uh, we come back to California where I'm from and we go into a couple of local big lumber yards and pitch them on the product. And they're like, ah, we've got this other stuff. You know, your price point's a little too expensive for the market. And anyway, we get like two or three no's and basically give up on the whole thing and, and let our exclusive uh, on the state lapse. Now, if you go through farmland in California, anywhere where there's cattle, this is all you see. All you see is this plastic fencing because the cows can lay on it and it doesn't break and they get up and it snaps back into place. It never rots, right? You never have to paint it. It comes out white. So, you know, what I learned there and looking back on it and every time I drive through farm country, I just laugh at myself and go, well, it was a great lesson. Like, if you're if if a couple knows put you out of business, then you should you don't deserve to be in business. You know you got to have thick skin, and that's what I learned from that whole environment. Of this is not the way to succeed in business. You have to have more tenacity. You have to have thick skin. You have to keep moving forward. And if we would have stuck with that, that could have been a massive multi multi million dollar success. But it wasn't, and it was a it was a million dollar learning lesson. Is what it was. Yeah, and and so so different from the path you're on right now. Like, uh, I mean, you've had this uh, fascination and reliance on supplements for so long. And so it really feels like it fits inside of your values a totally. little bit. I mean, look, 10 years ago in 2011, when we first started uh, Life Aid, you know, at the time, and people can't even remember that it's not that long ago, but just, you know, at the time there was really only carbonated soft drinks, Mm -hmm. And you had your quote unquote sports drinks, you know, Powerade, Gatorade, and you had your energy drinks, you know, your big three, Red Bull, Monster, uh, Rockstar, and that's it, right? And the energy drinks were cool, sexy, and hip. They had all the extreme sports and the surfers and skateboarders and all that kind of stuff, but none of the real athletes were actually drinking that product, you know, because none of 
none it's not good for you they right. it they're effective they jack you up and nobody's drinking them for health reasons drinking this for health reasons right it's not the reason you drink it. you drink it for effectiveness then you and at the time you had just emerging on the scene some of the kombuchas and coconut waters well those were very hippy dippy labeling right. very acquired flavor profile i mean people drink them now but at the time it was like very polarizing flavor so you really didn't have anything in liquid format that met the kind of better for you, you know, that was clean, better for you, low to no sugar, didn't use all the artificial garbage and sugar and salt and artificial sweeteners um, that also had, you know, kind of that cool, sexy hip angle that the energy drinks did so well. So we saw a massive gap in the market. And for me treating, you know, high level athletes, them coming into the office, you know, with energy drinks and that type of thing. I'm like, man, you guys got to get off that stuff because it's going to cause adrenal fatigue. You know, they're like, doc, you know, I drink tons of water. You know, what would you have me drink? And, you know, I'm like giving them, you know, homemade recipes. Like, okay, get some Himalayan sea salt and, you know, put it in, you know, some squeeze some fresh lemon and, you know, mix this up and, you know, giving them like these little homemade electrolyte drinks and stuff. And then uh, when I met, you know, Ryan, my business partner, we had really the aha moment, like, look, if we married this kind of like emerging uh, health conscious, you know, consumer and these health conscious products that are hitting the market from a food and beverage perspective with the cool factor of the energy drinks, we could have something real special here. And as you know, you know, one of our first products was Fit Aid, and that's where we really got our initial traction was selling to box owners like yourself in CrossFit gyms. It was definitely prevalent and it was different. I mean, it's something that I saw was you can bring this into your gym. And at that time, you know, I went, like I, I went to, you know, Tom Thumb and bought one of these. They're everywhere now. But at that time, it was, it made so much sense. Someone could come in, they're working out, they're hot, they're going to grab a cold drink. It was, it was such an amazing solution for a small business owner. But he, the trick here is, is that you have a really good tasting product. Like I, yeah. I, I love the way Fit Aid tastes. Um, that can't be easy <laughs> when you're, when you, you said you're, you're trying to stay away from, you know, artificial ingredient ingredients, you, you don't have sucralose. Like how did that first, was that from the very start? you stayed away from all of that. And then a hundred percent, it was part of, you know, my personal, like, Hey, here is, you know, you got to stand for something or you don't stand for anything. It would have been really easy to just throw, you know, 300 milligrams of caffeine and a bunch of sucralose and, you know, hit that market and right. probably be retired already. But <laughs> you know, neither one of those things is part of our core values. It's like, we're never going to use artificial ingredients. So sucralose and aspartame, both neurotoxins, both kill your gut microbiome. We know that. Um, we're never going to use uh, coloring, you know, the red dyes and yellow dyes and all those carcinogenic, you know, garbage ingredients that people are. And, you know, we're going to keep the sugar content natural and low to no sugar. So that really limits you from a flavor perspective when you're not using your sucralose and that type right. of thing, uh, which as we were creating this new category of recovery drink, you remember the recovery drinks didn't even exist before us. And coincidentally, Kill Cliff's kind of launching at the same time on a mm -hmm. different coast. So we're on the West Coast, they're on the East Coast, and they're coming into this you know, new category of kind of recovery drink. But our big advantage from my perspective was they were using sucralose, we weren't. So 
we're like, okay, people ask, well, what's the difference? Like, well, you know, we're a natural product. They're not. And that was a big differentiator for us, especially for the CrossFit community, which is very, you know, at least at the time was very health conscious, still mostly health conscious, although we've seen some uh, not so healthy brands uh, kind of sneak in here in, in recent years. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of a shift that way where more brands are penetrating what used to be a very clean environment as far as a business model, you know, really anti-circulose, anti-artificial, but I've seen, I have noticed that. So when you started this, was there, did you have any backing or was this all bootstrap, you know, homegrown, go all in and see what happens? When there we you are. first started, we started with the King's Ransom of uh, $30,000 so not, uh, not a kind of cash to start a new, oh, you just lose me. We, we first started with $30,000 each, not a king ransom, originally, uh, so 60 grand total. Uh, we quickly realized, you know, that that's not going to last you very long. And, and we've got a funny story about even getting started. And that was, uh, that was quite the challenge. You know, we once figured out what we were going to do in honor of Ryan's birthday in January of 2011, we registered 80 main names on his birthday. We got, you know, alfred.com, fitaid.com, et cetera. We even got bonerade.com for $12. So whoever said a good name, we're already taken. The next thing we did after putting, you know, some preliminary formulations to, together was say, hey, we want to put that in a can because cans are infinitely recycled. We want to, you know, have clean, no plastic, whatever. So we looked at, uh, okay, who are the can manufacturers to, to put this thing together? And we call the, at the time, the only can manufacturer was this company called Rexham, this massive company still around. And they had a web of sales reps. So we call them up. And you got 99% of new beverages that hit the market fail. Okay. 95% fail in the first wow. year. By the fifth year, 99% have gone on. So all the suppliers know this. They're trying to front load the costs. You know, they're like on a wait of time. And quickly they the the rep realize that these guys are broke dick. They don't have money. They don't have enough money. Um, they've never been in the beverage industry before. So he just blew us off and we said, hey. You know, he said, look, the minimum run is 202,000 cans. Like, you don't have enough money for that. And we said, well, what about some silver bullets? We heard that sometimes you get these these cans. It's called a, a sick can. And when it's not printed on, it's called a silver bullet because the can comes out all aluminum. It's just silver. And uh, he said, look, we don't really have those. They don't exist. Uh, you know, everything's made to order. So we hang up the phone after getting a no, and we're calling back on that, on those no's that I, I got in those earlier days at the, at the lumberyard. So, okay, we're not going to give up on this idea. So we hand, wrote a handwritten note to name Ken, said, Ken, thanks for your time today. Uh, if you come across any silver bullets, please let us know. Uh, yes, enjoy a steak dinner on us. And we put a $100 Ruth Chris certificate gift card inside of the card and send it to him. Well, two weeks later, lo and behold, we get a call that uh, two pallets of silver bullets had become available and that's what we purchased and we were off the races. So you did your first product just go out in a silver can? No, no, no. We had them what's called shrink sleeves. Okay. You get that, that silver can and we had a, a sleeve put over the top of it and it's called a shrink sleeve process. It's very expensive. I mean, our first run of golf rate, I think we were spending $4 it cost us a can and selling them for $2 a can just to see if we would have proof of concept. Yeah. So there was quite a loss leader on your 
initial runs then you were really really just putting all your assets in on this idea yeah and sometimes you have to do that i mean you have to be a wise man told me once he's willing to go negative the longest always wins right um so you know as long as you're investing and you have accurate thinking and you're seeing signs of traction then that's a, a good thing as soon as you uh you know, start throwing good money after bad, that's where you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have like four different brands and you talk about the early days you had, I think you said Life Aid and Golfer Aid, and I think you had Fit Aid pretty early on. Was there ever a time where you guys felt like maybe going that wide was a, was a problem and you, and you readjusted? You still have all those brands, but I'm wondering how how the process went when you're you're going so wide in a market yeah absolutely that was a major mistake and a major learning lesson early on uh want to go deep not wide and uh going wide was a mistake we had we launched golf raid fit aid and party aid all within like a year and so we basically and we had three different websites for each product or a different website for each product so three websites we had three different social media handles uh, it was all over the place because a, a CrossFitter didn't, wasn't necessarily interested in the golf community, wasn't necessarily interested in the Burning Man community, kind of the festival community, right? And these are the three communities that we're involved in. And so we were, you know, doing outfit changes. We'd up at a golf festival one day wearing polo shirts and then, you know, change and put on our burner clothes and do a fire festival in San Francisco. And then come back to Santa Cruz for a CrossFit event over the weekend wearing our innovates and, you know, that whole <laughs> deal. So it was a very challenging and a, and a massive learning lesson, like go deep with one target audience. Don't spread yourself too thin. Yeah. So what, what audience did you run with at that point? Well, a good friend of mine who uh, I actually had a mentor of mine, you know, he loaned me 25 grand in the very early days he said look i'm a member of this marketing group it's super high level marketers i think you'd get a ton out of it you know it's twenty-five thousand bucks to join i'll loan you the money no contract no interest nothing just pay me back when you can and then super successful guy so i said okay you know i'll do it and so i go to this marketing meeting and you know everybody there has got you know multi-million dollar businesses and I'm, you know, telling everybody what I'm up to. And one of the guys there who's a great marketer, Dean Jackson, he says to me, he says, you know, I, you really need to choose a single target market. Right now you have three target markets. You got golf, you got the festivals, and you got CrossFit. And even though Golf Raid was actually bringing in the majority of our revenue at the time, um, the trajectory of Fit Aid and CrossFit, you know, like the, the oh, ease yeah. of opening new accounts, the reorder rate, uh, it was all on a steeper trajectory. So we had to, we made the tough decision to go all in with Fit Aid and CrossFit. And we used to ring the bell inside of the office when we get a new gym on board, we get notified. And then, it, and, you know, the first month we really went all in with it. We got like 15 new gyms and it was like, great. And then the next month it was 30 and then went to 50. Then for a while, we were getting like 200, 250 new gyms and we had a real business. Wow, that's a very, very rapid growth. I'm sure there was some um, massive growing pains with fulfillment at that point. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, everything when you hit a certain scale it just starts breaking, right? Yeah. You know, from 
customer service to logistics and production, keeping up with production, everything. So managing out of stocks, cash flow. So, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're typically filling every role yourself. So I'm, you know, taking orders and answering the phone and helping, helping pack boxes and doing everything <laughs> until things were starting to literally break. And, uh, you know, that was another big learning lesson is like, when you hit a point of desperation, you need to hire for a position. It's very bad positioning to hire out of desperation because what happens is you get a resume across your desk. It looks half decent and you're like, all right, this is the person we're going to hire and you hire them. That's a massive, massive mistake. You really need to take your time and make sure that you're hiring the right cultural fit. You know, the person with the right attitude and the right, you know, ethics and work ethic and, you know, just overall personality is going to fit within the the framework and the vision of the company not just because they check the boxes on the resume yeah that's a that's an incredibly important lesson how big is your i mean how big is i guess you could call it your organization or your your employee pool at this point well globally we've got a hundred people we employ yeah so you're changing a lot of lives you've got a lot of people so do you do any um do any specific like assessments or just spending time? I mean, I'm sure you have people doing this for you now, but how do you make sure there's a, a really great alignment of values and vision? Well, great question. We have uh, a vision statement uh, that we read on, on our all hands meetings. We have an all hands meeting every Tuesday and uh, we have a different individual in the, in the company read a forward looking vision statement every week that we write every quarter based on each individual and each department's OKRs, objectives and key results for that mm -hmm. quarter that are in alignment with our strategic goals for the year. So we really reverse engineer what we need to get done based on a five-year plan, a one-year plan, and then chunk that out into three-month uh, sprints, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And everybody aligns around that. And then we read this vision statement as if we've already accomplished it, as if we've already completed uh, those objectives. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of use, you use like a model to run your business. It sounds a lot like traction. There's other versions out there. Uh, did you start early on using like a, an entrepreneurial operating system or when did you start really implementing structure to guide the vision and, and like you say, re reverse engineer? Yeah, a lot of it was flying by our, the seat of our pants in the yeah. early days, but then, yeah. you know, really aligning with the right mentors was helpful there and seeing what they were doing effectively. And you're right, you know, certain books and podcasts were very influential on uh, myself and Orion in the early days and Traction was definitely one of those. Um, and looking at the Rockefeller habits and, and yep. you know, kind of reverse engineering how they were doing things and putting our own spin on it, but bringing in the right consultants and mentors to help guide in that process and set up those structures, you know, early on to make sure that we have good alignment with the team and, uh, and then hiring the right people. I mean, if you hire, you know, a tier individuals that don't need to get babysat all the time that, you know, get that really align with the vision and are part and really contribute to the culture, then, you know, we had, and we still have, but I mean, it, it's easy to look back on those early days when it was just, you know, 10 or 20 of us. I mean, it was just such a tight knit team and we were doing everything together and having such a good time, you know, doing it. I don't even know if that could be replicated today with just where we're at with everything with, you know, cancel culture and, and COVID and just everything that goes on now. It's like 10 years ago, it was... I don't want to say it was the wild west, but it was just, it was just a lot of fun for, 
for everybody to be a little non-PC and, and just be themselves and have a great time and drink a little too much together and work a little too hard and get not enough sleep and go work out together. And like, we just did, you know, everything together, all aligned around this vision to, to make this uh, company what we knew it could be. Yeah, I think authenticity and really operating out of your, your true self as a as a company it builds such an incredible culture. And you're right that there's a lot of uphill battles and a lot of things right now really propping themselves up against building an incredible company culture. So I think that's a super valuable. I think it, all it means is just as business owners and operators and leadership, you just have to do your very best and and be super intentional on your culture. It sounds like you guys are continuing that by having that vision read every week, which is so is so huge in maintaining unified direction. Yeah, and we still have a great team and we have a you know very work hard, play hard type of uh, culture um, around here. And you know it's it's been great and the growth has been great and the new challenges have been great. It's all there for you know a reason. It's just. Uh, you know, my, my good friend told me early on, like, don't forget to enjoy the ride. And yeah. I look back and I go, wow, those were just amazing times when, you know, there was 12 of us out in Hawaii, uh, um, because we hit our company goal that year and we all, you know, the company took us all on vacation to Hawaii and got to, you know, half of them had never even been to the islands before. And like, just such cool little things like that, um, that, uh, would you know it's more challenging and as you grow it's more challenging you know as you have you know hr departments and you have right. you know so many different um, um individual you know expressions to to uh to manage and and to keep motivated and happy and you know people wanting different things and a lot of it's just you know little bs type of stuff but it's you know that can be just a little annoying and it's nothing <laughs> you know, yeah. major, but it's still, it's just, you know, it, it, it's special times when you've got that, you know, young, super small, small company and team that, uh, that really is aligned around like, kind of, you know, for us, it was almost David and Goliath because, you know, back to, you know, Kill Cliff on the East Coast, you know, they were extremely well-funded, you know, they had all the, the athletes, they had the deep pockets, you know, and we were, you know, very much underfunded and it was kind of a David and Goliath thing. So it helped to have that kind of uh, competitor in the market space really vying for market share. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really are an underdog story because the, the beverage segment <laughs> is, is not at all easy to break into. And I think this is a great pivot point. And you, you've mentioned a few things that are, have been key. You know, you you've talked about mentors and um, the learning opportunities. I'd love for you to just kind of share some of your top things. If a new business owner or someone who's just kind of emerging were to come to you and say, Hey man, Aaron, like, give me a few pieces of advice. What would those things that kind of come off the top of your head be? Number one, always play the long game, you know, don't take shortcuts, you know, uh, playing the long game is the right thing to do, even in the short term. So always play the long game. I don't care if you're talking about relationships, people, mm. uh, business practices, products, you know, um, 
way of doing things, customer service, anything, you know, play the long game, uh, biggest thing. Number two, make sure you're accurate in your thinking. This is where mentors could be extremely helpful. You know, you can be accurate in, in business in 99 things out of 100. And that one thing that you're inaccurate in your thinking is what sinks the ship. So, you know, make sure you have the ear and advice of people that have been there, done that, that, you know, like, and trust, and just kind of make sure everything that you're thinking about is passing the smell test, you know, inaccurate thinking could be if I'm a gym owner, it's like, oh, I'm opening this gym, it's going to cost me 100 grand to open and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And maybe it costs 200 to open instead of 100. And then your assumptions like, well, I'm going to get, you know, 50 new members on month one, and then 50 on month two. And it's like, well, maybe you only get 10 members on month one, like, you know, just make sure that you're really accurately thinking, because you're building your models based on a certain set of assumptions. Assumptions. And then the third, we all, you know, this one's, this one's important. We all have, you know, kind of a, a little a demon or devil, if you will, on, on one shoulder and probably an angel on the other. And, you know, the negative self-talk can be very sabotaging. I've seen it happen to so many of my friends and, and some family too, where, you know, you get stuck in this cycle of, you know, you have a certain belief system that was, um, adopted uh, by yourself, uh, you know, between the ages typically of like zero and seven, typically from your parents. So you're spending the most of your time with, and that becomes your MO, you know, that belief system drives your thoughts, your thoughts dictate your words, your words over time, uh, drive your actions and your, in your actions over time equals some type of result. And that result reinforces a belief system. So it's kind of around and around you go. Right. And, you know, you've seen people spiral either positively or negatively. It's like, you know, I've got friends from high school that had a rich uncle or something that died and they gave, gave them a bunch of money and they were already kind of on a bad path. Well, guess what happened? Their life didn't just get great. All of a sudden they crashed and burned even faster. Right. Because right. now they were able to fuel, you know, their bad, decisions and bad habits with with money so if you find yourself in this negative cycle of you know negative head talk or negative beliefs you really got to break that cycle and there's only two ways that i've i've found personally that i've been able to break it and it's either to talk differently or act differently right because we can't just say oh, i'm going to believe something differently your beliefs are your beliefs and it's hard to just change your head talk all of a sudden because your thoughts are your thoughts but you can't control what comes out of your mouth and you can control what you do right what you do differently i'll give you an example in in the gym environment right you got a, a client coming in and Oh, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, great. You know, here we're, we could hook you up. We've, we've got some great nutritional advice and we're going to get you on a program with our, one of our coaches and then we'll get you on, you know, into the group classes and you're going to lose weight. Well, you know, a couple months later, they start bitching and moaning. I'm not losing any weight, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, look, if you actually woke up at 5 a.m. like I told you to do and go for your walk and do your stretches and get it your ass in here at the 6 a.m. class and did a little intermittent fasting and stuck to the diet plan I'd give you, given you, you will lose weight. I guarantee you. But people are choosing. They're choosing differently. They're choosing to hit the snooze bar. They're choosing still still eat like shit, right? And right. then they're then they're blaming it on you because they are answering the fundamental question that we all answer incorrectly and inaccurately anytime we hit a glass ceiling in any aspect of our life. And that question is, am I a victim or not? Because if your answer is yes, you will always hit a glass, glass ceiling because it is outside of yourself.
right? The response, the it's not cause in, in school, it's always like cause and effect, right? Cause and right. effect. You hear this multiple times over, and that is the most inaccurate thing that ever gotten drilled into our mind. It's total bullshit. If it was cause and effect, then if your dad, your old man was an alcoholic, abusive father, and my old man's an alcoholic, abusive father, you and I should end up in the exact same place in life because we had the same cause, therefore it would be the exact same effect. And that's not true. There's people with alcoholic abusing fathers that are billionaires and others that are homeless, right? Like right. it's not it's not true. It's cause plus reaction equals effect, how we react, okay? And the reaction is a choice. The reaction is shit happens. I told you, you know, my, my house burned down last year in the fire. So I lost, you know, all of 17 years worth of, of work and on property off the grid and everything. It's like, okay, that happened. That sucks, but how do I react to it? That's gonna, that's gonna dictate the end result. Not that it happened is gonna dictate the end result. How I react will dictate the end result. So making sure that we are not allowing the media and you know all these other negative influences to hijack our mind and convince us that we're a victim. Because as soon as we go down that slippery slope, we will never break this negative cycle and this ne negative belief system because it as soon as you externalize it, then you're screwed. As soon as I internalize it and going, okay, I'm not having the, the result that I'm happy with in this aspect of my life. Let me take full accountability for that. Let me see how I've been acting or reacting to cause this situation. What could I have done differently? Let me start talking different. Let me start acting differently. Let me start, instead of hitting that snooze bar, actually get up at five and do what I'm told to do and stick to the diet regimen and show up for class and not miss my, not miss my workouts. Then guess what happens? You start to lose the weight. And then when you lose the weight, it starts to change your belief system. Like, well, gosh, maybe I, it's not just that I have bad genes and my parents are you know, both <laughs> overweight that, gosh, maybe I can actually take control of this thing. I can get in shape. And when you start to change your beliefs, you start to change how you think about things. When you start to think about things differently, you start to talk differently and act differently. And so then you turn that spiral, that negative spiral into a positive spiral up into the right instead of down into the left. Yeah, that's that's so good. You mentioned earlier, uh, we kind of the connection from a mutual friend of ours, um, Angelo, and then Mike Bledsoe. I took a course on a little course on on self talk, and and Mike was a big part of that. So I'm sure you probably know about that work, but it's it is so incredibly important. Um, it's so important, and that and I probably that class I haven't taken it, but I know he was working with part of the vocabulary course. Yep. Mark, yeah, and Mark's a great guy, and he's you know come to our retreats and done stuff for us as well. And we I have every single one of our salespeople go through his course, and oh, that's good. Most of HQ go through his course, but the bottom line with that course is you really need to eliminate negations and soft talk. And I, and I realize what's the importance of eliminating negations and soft talk negations for those that don't know is that I can't, I won't, I shouldn't, I couldn't soft talks is, is a, Oh, I might do this. I maybe I could, I should, right. That, that's soft talk. Well, soft talk and negations are both like telltale signs that you are in victim mode. That's what yeah. I realized. Like yeah. if you're using a lot of that vernacular, if that's part of your vocabulary, then you are a victim and you need to recognize that you're a victim and say, okay, I am not going to allow myself to be a victim anymore. And I'm going to start committing my words and, and therefore my actions 
in an affirmative way. I will do this. I am doing this, right? I'm not yeah. might or couldn't or shouldn't. It couldn't doesn't even exist. It's either you don't know how to or you're not willing to, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't quit my job. No, you can quit. There's just consequences associated with that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I, I, you know, so you can do whatever you want. We're human beings. We're, this is a good lesson right now, right? I mean, you know, we got the government, we got CDC saying one thing, we got states doing another, you got friends polarized on all sides. You are an autonomous human being made in the image and likeness of God with a capital G. You could do whatever the fuck you want. Like you are powerful. You know, you are powerful mm -hmm. and you don't have to do what anyone tells you to do. There may be consequences associated with that, but live with the consequences if you choose. But you can do whatever you want. Yeah, brother, that is so key. And uh, we are definitely in alignment there. And I, I love it. It says a lot about your company that you put people, your own people through that type of training, because that goes well beyond the workplace. That goes into their own personal lives. It goes into their own success quotient. There's there's so many amazing benefits of that but that also speaks to how important the culture and vision of the company are that you will invest time in giving people incredible tools that are going to drive them forward so um a few quick questions before we wrap up because i want to respect your time number one if there was something uh there, if there's a habit you do every day that you think everybody should do or or you wish more people would do kind of to move their their own needle whether it's professionally or personally what would that habit be morning routine easily yep. easy morning routine is huge and again if you reverse engineer I, I mentioned earlier you know we underestimate what we can do in the long term overestimate what we do in the short term what is the long term let's just look at 10 years i mean again 10 years ago i was bankrupt today i'm not okay 10 years <laughs> later 10 year chunk 10 years is 10 one years chunks one year is, you know, uh, uh, 12 one month chunks in a month is roughly 30 days or four weeks. Okay. So it's like, okay, I'm kind of breaking all this time down. Well, if I have a, a, a day that moves me forward in a momentum in a trajectory, a certain trajectory, a positive trajectory, then I can repeat that day for seven days in a row. And then all of a sudden I have a week that's put me up into the right. And if I have four of those and I have a month and then you keep adding those up and you continue to move momentum and trajectory in the right direction. So what sets off, how do you set off your daily routine, right? How, what makes it that uh, a quote unquote good day moving the momentum and trajectory in the right direction? Well, it starts off when you first wake up in the morning. So what does that morning routine look like? I mean, I have tried everything, everything yeah. <laughs> from, you know, cold plunges, meditation, uh, uh, you know, intermittent fasting, uh, keto coffee, micro dosing. I mean, if, if it has been around at all for any period of time, or even if it hasn't been around for any period of time, I've probably tried it because I just geek out on all this stuff. So figure out what works for you, for you. And, you know, for me, it, what works is waking up around, you know, six o'clock, uh, doing a round of Wim Hof breathing, doing 20 minutes of yoga, um, after I shower, I put it on cold water and do, you know, a minute and a half or so of, of a cold plunge. I do like a keto coffee. I do a morning prayer. Um, I uh, go for a short walk down to the beach. I do a deeper round of Wim Hof. I do five minutes of meditation. Um, you know, obviously, uh, when I first wake up, I drink some water and I head into the office. Like, it's just like, 
my automatic morning routine because that sets me up for success for that day. And I know that day can set me up for success for the week, month, year, and then 10 years. So that morning routine, make it part of your, you know, you know your, your day, your, your daily routine, find out what works for you. What works for me is not going to be the same thing that works for your audience, but pieces of it might. So that's another thing, you know, I'm always, you know, at our retreats and, and onboarding is really running people through like, Hey, this is what works for me. Try mm -hmm. it once. If it resonates, great. Oh, I fill out the five minute journal as well as part of that morning routine. You know, the, you know, three things that will help make today great. Three things you're grateful for, right. And one self-affirmation. So, you know, this kind of stuff, it's like figure out what works for you and, and take action on it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I, my ultimate goal and, and can say I'm doing a really good job is actually to make it a, a ritual, like, beyond a routine and make it ritual. So even when I travel and I have to get up uber early to get it done, like I, my day is so off. I don't just nail that morning routine. So um, it sounds like it's pretty ingrained, <laughs> ingrained in you as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So uh, last question I ask everybody, uh, and this, you know, it's kind of a silly question because you can't go back in time, but if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice uh, early on, what would that be? Number one, it's all going to be okay. It's something my wife used to tell me constantly because, <laughs> you know, before I really understood abundance mindset and, and had a morning routine and all that, I was very much in, you know, scarcity mode and worry warp mode. And, and, you know, looking back, all those obstacles that were put in front of me were there for a reason. They were all necessary. Um, so instead of obstacle avoidance, like really accepting those obstacles with open arms, knowing that there's growth on the other end, but it's all going to be okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Aaron, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your, your story and, uh, your, your success tips. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week. <laughs>